Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Pedro Soto has helped make New Haven tick for years as a factory manager, as the president of the city's development commission, member of the preservation and community college boards, active neighbor and volunteer, not to mention offering some of the most informed, incisive reader comments that appear in the New Haven Independent. Not as many lately, but still some <laughs> of my favorite ever. He's in the new, he must have a life, but uh, that's okay. He's in the WNHH studio today to offer his take on the top issues facing our city. Welcome, Pedro. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. It's really great to have you. I hear you on, w, on NPR as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you to get real close to that mic, like you're almost touching it. I want to thank also Yale Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. So, Pedro, you are the president of the Development Commission, right? I am. I am. How long have you been on the commission? It's been about five years now, five or six. And the Development Commission has always been interesting to me. Um, first of all, you guys get up at eight in the morning for your meeting at City Hall. Yes. And... Um, the, and you don't actually have any power. You can't stop. You can't say yes or no development project if I have it right. But by law, the people who run economic development of the city have to fill you in on everything they're doing so that an informed group of citizens, many of whom are in business, right. can look at it and offer their feedback. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. And we, we have one, one power. I believe it's with land dispositions. Uh, so if it's city-owned land, that... Uh, a company or organization is buying. Uh, it, we are one of the kind of toll gates on that. So you sign. have to approve it. We have to approve that. Um, so land disposition agreements, LDAs, mm -hmm. which L actually we're going to get to. Yes. Um, but otherwise, if it's some big project like Spinnaker, not Spinnaker, is it Spinnaker who bought the Audubon Square? Yes. Yep. Spinnaker. That wasn't city land, but it did involve city approvals. Right. So by law, you don't have to give it approval, but you have to hear it and ask questions. Is that a fair exactly. way to put it? Yep. Yes, All it right. is. And uh, so it's kind of interesting. Do you, you must like it if you stayed on and became the chairman. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's it's just a great way to get a, a sense of the pulse of what's happening uh, in the city. I mean, these days, a lot of it is development and real estate development and large projects. Um, I mean, we also will be informed of, of, of new businesses moving into town or um, you know new restaurants opening and things like that. But it's mostly at this point, a lot of real estate projects and you've you've been on this commission pedro in a very interesting mm -hmm. period of time your predecessors mm -hmm. on this commission in the 70s 80s 90s even some of the aughts they were at a time served at a time when it was hard to get people to build in new haven yes people didn't want to build apartments they still don't want to build condos for the mm -hmm. most part but they 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 didn't they needed tax breaks to come we used to say please come and create jobs please build stuff here and we'll give you no taxes off everything you're going to do we're going to sell the land cheap and now people are competing to build market rate projects in town, and that kind of changes the role. How have you seen that change, and how has that changed the way you look at development? It definitely, I mean, when I, actually, I started at the tail end. So I was a, a DiStefano appointee that got... Uh, then, Under Mayor uh, John DiStefano. Yes, and then uh, now a HARP appointee. Um, and so at the beginning, I know that the 360 State Street project was probably the biggest thing um, kind of the turning point, right? That was kind of the turning point. Largest apartment tower in the state. Mm -hmm. And we said, wow, because that was a lot that had been empty since Urban Renewal's Day. It used to be the Schartenberg yes. department store. Beautiful. And it was sort of a symbol yeah. of how everything had changed, both the ways people try to hold on to the past that can't be recreated, like mm -hmm. Geosha department stores, but also 
a symbol of a vacant lot on prime land that wasn't built on for decades. It was yeah. a parking lot. All of a sudden, someone had to build and didn't get a tax break, right? Right. Yeah, I, I, he didn't get a tax break, but I do still think there was some city money or most likely actually some state money in order to... Um, energy efficiency. The but energy we efficiency. Also, we also negotiated with them because we wanted a few floors of Affordable. public housing, not yes. for public housing yeah. authority apartments mm-hmm. in the middle of a 32-story skyscraper yes. for rich people. Right. And so, and that also went through. And I think the big... And a big di- fight over tax assemblies. Oh, yes. Which I still think is going on. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, but I do think that um, the, the big difference, which I think is the, the city is definitely trying to get, start to get used to, at least the city, as in I'm saying the citizens, is that um, before, whenever a project would come through, often it could kind of be sort of bent or influenced based on um, almost everyone was coming with hat in hand for something. And obviously if you're asking for something, you need to give something um, on the, I think what's happening now. And I think, which, which is, I think it, it's, I, I think it's great, but it is something that people obviously now don't know what to do is that people as of right can start developing some pretty large projects um, right. without, and they, and with they private still, money. All they need is the approval of site plans of city plan. And we are constricted yep. and zoning on when right. we can say, well, zoning is if they want a zoning variance, right? If they're within the right. zoning. Yes. But even yes. with the site plan, we have to say yes and no to how the details of their building. But even then, aren't we constrained by law that it can't be that we're trying to negotiate for something else, some other affordability right. or design thing. We just have to make sure it fits the role, the it, rules. Exactly. That's exactly. Although there is a member of the city plan commission has tried to have it become <laughs> sort of a bargaining chip for social goals. Right. And I, I think that, you know, I, I think that it's, it's laudable to, to, to try to do that. Um, I think that sometimes you you know if you if you're if you're holding developers up to a project they thought that they could sort of move through I don't think it will help future development. Um I also think that in the city right now one thing that's really important to note on these development projects is that they're not we're at at, at yet uh, they're not displacing um people. Right, and I was going to um, get to that because you made comments about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I think my big, the biggest thing I think is that New Haven moves in both directions. I mean, look at what's happening on Grand Avenue right now in terms of affordable housing. Are you talking about the rebuilding of Farnham Courts? Yes, rebuilding of Farnham Courts and re, and, and look at in the last 10 to 15 years, all of the affordable housing units, um, large, beautiful developments that have been coming online. Um, Are you talking about the Hope 6 projects? The Hope 6 projects. And um, I think that you know, I think that it's. Um, I think it's great that market rate apartments are are showing up. I think that I, I just yesterday actually at the Economic Development Commission, uh, they went through. It was probably a list of about seventeen or eighteen projects that are coming through the city. Really, and at the last Development Commission, yes. Program? And it was a, it was a presentation, I believe, that uh, Matt Nemerson gave to the mayor, and so he walked us through everything that's happening. Um, you know, obviously, some that you you're aware of, and 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 that everyone's aware of, and some that are new. What are some um, of the new ones? Um, well, some that at least I wasn't aware of. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember now because it was early in the morning. But the um, there are several small hotel projects besides the one. Yeah, that's on, been big. The big the, 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 so there's the one at the Union Trust, uh, the tower, um, Union Tower, yep. Union Trust building at across from the category from the Green. They have next door that can be a mini boutique hotel. Yes, then there's be the one. Randy Salvatore at High and George. Yes, there's the Duncan Hotel SRO famous one. Yes, the uh, Duncan Hotel, and then there's also um, the, and I believe this was on the the, the uh, report. There's also, I believe, the Pirelli Building 
the, the current thought is, is that will become a hotel. Is there someone who actually wants to build there? I believe so. Who's that? I don't know. Have <laughs> I don't, they submitted plans? It, it, it's no one. It's not a major national. I, I don't know where that is as opposed to, I think that they're working with Ikea to, to turn that into a hotel. Wow. So I think a that would be... A boutique hotel or is it too big for that? It's just a hotel hotel. Um, my guess is that it will be a mid-range hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not high-end boutique, something more uh, affordable. Okay. So actually, let's get right mm-hmm. to that. So w- w- the, the version we hear is that New Haven's in gentrification. That's bad because we're squeezing out affordable housing. It is hard. <clears throat> we do have, I think it's 25 to 30% is um, subsidized housing and low-income housing in the city, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we have less than other places, but the feeling is that rents are high, especially downtown, and that except for the Hotel Duncan, which is a grandfathered-in old project that couldn't be built today as a single-room occupancy hotel because you can't get out more than one exit in a fire, it's being upscaled. That's one place where a dozen, a couple dozen people were displaced, found new housing. Other than that, every project's been built, as you point out, didn't have people living there already. So the question is, when we have thousands of new market rate apartments come on for middle class to wealthier people, what does that mean for our supply of affordable housing? So in some projects, like the Randy South Housing in the Hill, we've insisted they include 10 to 20% affordable housing in it. But the question is, when you build on empty land, for upscale housing, does that make other rents go up in the city or down? I think it depends on, in general, obviously more supply um, should equal, I mean, as long as supply is outstripping demand, um, rents long-term will start to go down. Um, I think that what will happen is there'll be shifts um, in in where people live. And I think that um, a lot of the downtown apartments will probably be shifting from places such as East Rock, where there might have been a lot of people. Um, I, I think the sort of the grad students or the young professionals, people who are relocating here, mm-hmm. I think, um, whereas before they, they may have found um, you know, a small floor on, on a house in East Rock or, or somewhere else, um, I think that they're looking online and they're finding the website of a very nice apartment building and probably signing a lease based on a virtual tour. But that's um, still East Rock and downtown. It's still the coarse air in Goatville when it's still... Right. So, and also East Rock rents go up because of Yale. That's a separate phenomenon. Well, actually, what I... Well, are you saying is that people move more to Fairhaven or even West Haven I or think, Beaver Hills? I think that people are moving... I think what's going to happen is, um, for example, the East Rock market from actually a little bit of anecdotal evidence is already becoming very hard um, if you're not uh, a new apartment building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are finding it harder to rent to the Yale students and things. Uh, I, I think that there'll be people moving into the East Rock areas. Um, so you're saying that'll become more affordable? I believe so. At some point, the rents will have to go down because they'll be empty. Now, obviously, I, because also the other side is that um, the other option would be to sell. Um, but if you sell, I don't think that there's a very large uh, single-family high-end East Rock yeah. Mar- market because the property taxes are so So, Pedro, I've heard three theories on this. So, one is your theory. One mm-hmm. is that if you build a whole bunch of new apartments on vacant land and they're expensive, that makes the existing apartment <clears throat> rents go down because mm-hmm. supply is high. The second theory is that some places to compete will invest more in their properties to make them better, and that will raise rents, but that's not necessarily a bad reason to raise rents because then you have better quality housing. The best example of that is the former Smoothie Building, the Strauss-Adler mm-hmm. Building in the uh, boundary of West... Uh, off Chapel Street in Olive, where it was in bad condition, but it was getting good rents from people. And now two big projects market rate were proposed for mostly vacant land across the street. And they've gone to court to stop it because they're worried they're going to have to compete by improving their conditions. 
And the third theory is that other landlords can sit in their property and if other rents go up, then they can raise theirs too because that's the going rate. But that doesn't seem like a good theory. Right. At some I haven't point, seen that in practice. Yeah, at some point you run out of, of renters willing to pay. And, 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 um, and then at some point, a lot of these buildings, um, I mean, at, we're, we're building at, at such a high rate that um, at some point you'll reach a tipping point where there's more apartment units, even high-end ones, than there are people willing to live in them. And like I, we did with condos in the 80s. Like condos in the 80s. I think um, the good thing about rental apartments is that there's less of, you know, there, there's, it's probably easier to keep them going more empty than, than with, with condos and, uh. and individual homeowners um, with prices crashing. But I do think that at some point um, there will be um, so many a apartments that there'll be a bit of a correction and, and, and that there will be more affordable units. So to summarize, Paige, are you as President of the Development Commission believe it's a good thing that we have all these new market rate apartments being built because A, they're going at vacant lane, they're mm-hmm. not displacing anyone. B, they might actually lower rents in existing places and have, for instance, East Rock become a place where people can afford to rent again. And that C, even down the road, that you could see even the new stuff maybe coming down in price the way the condos did once you reach a tipping point. Yes. All right, and you're hearing that take from someone who follows development closely, than, more closely than 99% of our city, Pedro Soto, who's the president of the Development Commission. And also, and this thing I want to ask you, Pedro, is the way you get on Development Commission is a couple of ways. Kevin Ewing, I know, is a, is a, mm-hmm. a grassroots activist, so he brings that perspective. And they also like people who have run businesses. You were born into a successful New Haven business, Space Ass, Spacecraft, not yes. Space Ass, sorry. <laughs> spacecraft Manufacturing, which built jet engine parts, both commercial and um, from the military. And for the commercial market, mm-hmm. like uh, jet engine, uh, commercial jets. And that started in 1970. Your f- father, John, started it. You did not think you were going to go in the business, if I remember correctly. And then yes. you caught the bug. You started managing the place on East Street. You had a factory mm-hmm. there. And then um, then you sold the company. When did that sell? We sold, um, God, I forget right now, 2016. Oh, it's two years ago. Yes. And it, then, but you stayed with the business anyway. I did. Were I you did. a part owner or was it your dad who owned it? No, my dad owned the whole thing. So no benefit for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you help keep the business going. Yeah, I I help keep keep the business going. It was it was it was a benefit to 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 our family. I think to sell and um, I'm just teasing. Yeah. You. <laughs> and I think that the uh, being a wise guy. <laughs> and I think that the, uh, um, you know, this industry is is one where um, where consolidation is happening and and, and where um, it, it's definitely something where small small aerospace companies are. are are getting uh, acquired and uh, pretty regular basis at this point, and I think that it's actually a good a good thing for the market. Um, Why is that? Because our customers are demanding a significant amount of um, of more quality requirements. They're requiring a lot more capital to be invested. Um, they're obviously pushing. Wait, down why would a price. customer require how much capital is invested? Because they want to make sure that your systems and processes are world class. And, Meaning, uh, so that you can continue once you sell them something to help them fix it, or no, so that they know that you are using kind of the the top end of technology to inspect the parts. Um, you know, I think that what they're basically saying is, you, you your part needs to show up with this quality wrapped around it. Um, and so that's they're demanding just higher quality that costs more to produce. Yes, because of tech advances. Yes, at the same time they're pushing prices down, so you need to have a bit of a scale economy of scale. In order mm-hmm. to um, to get this uh, to get both at the same time. Okay, so when so who bought you? Uh, the company is DRT Power Systems. 
and they're based out of um, Dayton, Ohio. They own um, seven aerospace companies uh, and counting, actually. that They believe an acquisition should be pending in the next week uh, in Connecticut. Are you in New Haven? Uh, no, in, I'm not sure what town. So do you still have the factory on East Street? Uh, for the time being, we have the factory on East Street. What do you mean time being again? Uh, town? Their plans on moving the facility um, to Meriden, Connecticut. Oh no, we're going to lose jobs. Yeah. Well, we're shifting the jobs to Meriden, um, but the building um, was sold um, recently to a New Haven manufacturer uh, named um, Lucky Climbers. Oh who, yeah, who's expanding in the city? And um, what are they? Where do they? Um... So they make high-end, very high-end playground equipment. Right, I read um, about that. The guy, Lucky, the son of the artist. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an amazing company. Um, so we're not losing the jobs. So we're not losing. We're we're not losing jobs. And I how mean, many people work at your plant? Uh, oh, fifty people. And are they going to go to Meriden? The same people? Um, the majority of them, I believe, will be going. And when I interviewed you a couple of years ago, I visited your plant, which was really interesting, mm-hmm. and that you oversaw, just like any development commission overseeing a new era, you were overseeing mm-hmm. a shift to more specialized, right, manufacturing yes. Yes. and higher tech. Um, what? At the time, you weren't able to fill all the jobs. You felt that it was hard to get people training. You were paying people you thought mm-hmm. who could do it to train. Do we still have a problem of finding people who can fill these slots? That's still a huge problem in aerospace. Um, there's still, there's, we still have positions that are open um, for kind of the mid-level um, machinists. Um, I think that it is one, one of the challenges, um, one thing that DRT brings to the picture is the ability, I think, to recruit a little bit more aggressively, um, to pay some better wages. Um, Why is that? Because they have more money, more money to do it. Um, and I think that the, because also, um, because competition for these positions is, is so fierce, um, people are worried about working for a smaller business, especially a single owner business, um, where if the, you know, it's, you walk in an interview in a position and the the owner is in his seventies, and you don't know will you have a job tomorrow morning or not? Um, mm. Because some of these aerospace companies, these smaller manufacturing shops, are are choosing to just ride off into the sunset. And uh, similar to what happened uh, with McKenzie Machine uh, downtown, right. that was in aerospace, but it's manufacturing downtown and, or East Street, uh, East Street, sorry, yeah. East Street. And um, you now, know, what about that Mill River District? So we've you you've watched another thing you watched mm-hmm. over the years is that you weren't in the Mill River District. It wasn't called that when your father moved right, there. Right. In the last decade, the city has decided to think of that district along the Mill River on both sides as an engine for growth in manufacturing. We're not giving up on manufacturing, but also some related development. Mm-hmm. And um, you're part of a good vendor. Plenty mm-hmm. Supplies was there, and um, a bunch of factories have closed over the years, as you mentioned, yes. like McKenzie Machine. Mm-hmm. The, uh, they want to revive it by having a lot of city effort. And there's this one building on the other side, the Fairhaven side, where they're going to have like like a beer company where the waste is used in another company in the same building, one of those kind of... Uh, right, oh, that's... Type. Uh, so, so is there... District. How is the Mill River District doing? I guess at one end, you're going to have the district, which is the right. gateway to it at Chapel and James, mm-hmm. where, and you were, you were part of the committee that chose the developer for that project. I was. I Chapel was. and James, which is across from the Robbie Lens factory, there used to be a state bus depot. Mm-hmm. I kind of a uh, central point where they stored the Connecticut transit buses and all that kind of stuff. And it was heavily polluted and yes. abandoned and we got it cleaned up and then people wanted to build there and we had to make a tough decision. A big pocketed New York developer, Aaron Carter owned the mm-hmm. building across the street, the Robbie Len factory. And it was kind of, that was also a mess. And he wanted to build a supermarket there. Right. And you guys decided in choosing a new builder to get two local companies, digital surgeons and CrossFit 
to build a big tech complex for their own companies to expand, but also startups have a mm-hmm. beer garden on the water, kayak lawns, the kind of new economy thing, our little Google village. Right. Now, that was a couple of years ago. It's still not built. How's it going? It's actually um, on its way. To we be, went there, we visited, we show it on the way. Yeah. yeah. Why did uh, it t- what was the delay, you know? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I guess they, things they, get delayed, but yeah. it's getting built. Yeah, it is getting built. There's, there's they nothing. They claim it's mostly leased, but not all. Right, and I think that um, most of the tenants who initially had committed to it are, are still. Yeah, I don't think C Click Fix is going, is it? No, I don't think so. Yeah, they were no. going to be in there originally. Yeah, they're one of the great success stories. So, what are you? How are you feeling about the Middle River District? Do you think that's it was a good bet? Did you make the right call? I, I think so. I mean, I think that um, whether it will be a lot more manufacturing or whether it will be other, in, I would say I don't want to say industrial. But other commercial uses, I, I would say, remains to be seen. I think manufacturing is is hard because there's a surplus of very large, vacant, flat, greenfield, not environmentally impacted buildings across the state that mm-hmm. com- that companies can move into. Um, that being said, I think that um, to have an area where some industrial uses can go in a little bit easier, or commercial uses, for example, a brewery. Um, um, for you know, food services um, or commercial buildings, like a potentially a shopping center or something. I mean, I think having that space available and having it very close to downtown is a, is a really right off the highway. good thing to have and right off the highway. And exactly. we love funky. So right, I don't know if it, yeah, we'd call this Mill District 2 kind of the very, very edge, mm-hmm. which is the old clock factory. Yes. That's more than a century old. It's in the part of the square right at the industrial part right on the side of I-91. For some reason, <clears> people <throat> consider it our fair haven, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's close enough. And it's an area where people haven't built. There are some apartments at the Hamilton end and the mm-hmm. Hamilton Chapel end, and then they're rebuilding um, the, the, the um, as you mentioned, the housing development, yes. Farnham Courts. But it's not an area people think for market rate housing. So the uh, clock factory is, there is a, a West Coast company who is interested in building. Well, not uh, just interested, they've lined up the money, they got they've the lined state up the money. money, they're going to do yep. a big environmental cleanup. Yep, and they're looking... I, I think for some sort of tax abatement. What they're asking um, for, they want to turn it into artist housing. Right. And they're going to spend millions to mm-hmm. clean up pollution. Otherwise, it wouldn't get cleaned up. The thing is that mm-hmm. mostly vacant for a long time, except for a strip club where there was a fatal shooting. Right. But uh, so they want to build a city's all site because they've tried for decades to get someone there. Historic building. Mm-hmm. And this company has the track record. They want to pay no extra taxes on it beyond what they pay now, which is not much because no one's there for the entire like 15, 20 years. So this has become very controversial. Right. Some people say, as you said earlier, we no longer have to ask people to come here by giving them tax breaks. So why would we give them tax breaks? Other people say, because this is a specific project where nothing's happening. It's going to continue to be blight. And even if you get like 130 low moderate income artists in there and makers, as they call them now, mm-hmm. that that's <laughs> actually a great start. Wouldn't you rather have a building preserved with millions of dollars, mostly state paid, of environmental cleanup, and that that'll help spur other development and then the part that comes back is saying we're in a budget crisis. So that's what people are saying this morning, the independent, some of the commenters. Mm-hmm. Why in a budget crisis would you not charge, at a time when people want to build a New Haven, would you not charge people the full tax rate? Why would you give them a tax break when we need the tax revenue? And then the argument back from the city is that because in this specific spot, you would not get the tax revenue. You might even get less because nothing will be there. Where do you come down on that? I come down more on the city side um, I do think that the ask is is pretty big. Fifteen or twenty years is a long time. Um, I think, granted, the property's been vacant or predominantly vacant for longer than that. So, you know, in terms of keeping the scale of things in uh, 
in perspective, um, you have an empty building that's been empty for probably 30 years or more. Um, I, I think that um, in the absence of this project, the building likely gets demolished. So, Could you know, that be better in the end? Something gets built, but you still wouldn't have no. the environmental kind, right? Well, you still have the environmental issues as well. Um, and I think that it's a beautiful building that needs to be preserved, uh, putting on my preservation hat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing as well is that um, it, it, it's not luxury. Um, it's artist. It's variable you know, income. Um, it's, a, it's a unique development. And I think that um, my only suggestion would be to see if there's ways on the back end of the project to taper off and increase the tax credits or the tax, increase the tax revenue on the back end. Maybe or, in later years. Yes. Or, or have some sort of performance. I mean, performance can be, you know, gamed a bit, but I would say that, um, you know, if it's, if it's rented for X numbers of years, the tax rate would start to dial up. I mean, I think there's, there's some other potential ways. I don't know if, what statute allows or not, if it's sort of an on and off switch. But I think that, um, I, I think that, um, You'd vote for it. I would vote for it. Uh, if that was the only, if that was the last ask and if that was the last hurdle, um, I would, I would be for the project. Cause um, I use on balance. You think it's on balance. I think it's great. And I think that, that you're not, you're not giving anything up because in the absence of this project, you, you don't have that and, and no one's going to come, um, to, to clean the building up. They're going to come and, there's the, the easiest way to, to do environmental cleanup is to demolish everything on site mm-hmm. and to cap it. So, and then you couldn't do residential. Um, you would just have a vacant lot of which there are 15 vacant lots in the area. Mm-hmm. So is that um, a real number? Uh, no, it's a random number <laughs> that I guessed. 87% of the statistics you cite <laughs> exactly, are made up. Are by made you. up. <laughs> <laughs> you Are you still on the preservation trust page? Um, I'm on the board. Um, I'm not a very good board member at the moment, so anyone listening, I apologize for not coming to the meeting. We got someone who'll give you a few wet noodle laughs. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, what were you, what, did you but used to run it? I was. I was the president of the um, of the trust in 2000. Was president of the board, so I wasn't. Well, running it was a big it. historic issue coming up tonight at the Historic District Commission, which is 80 Elm Street. That's the old Webster Bank. Yes. Which before that, I think about church or something. It was Inside, a church. From the it's 1800s. very dramatic when you used to go on that yeah. bank in the yeah. vaults. It was redesigned. And this is the thing that gets me about historic mm-hmm. preservation, okay? There's this idea that if, if you go to the outside of that building, it's pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. And they wanted, the new owner, Spinnaker, wants to tear down the building and use that in the vac- and lot next to it to build on the, all of it. Right. Which is a big win for the city. I forget if they want apartments or stores or both. I think it's a hotel. Hotel. Okay, another hotel, right? Another hotel. So a lot of times historic preservationists say, even if something was but ugly in its day, that becomes historic because it shows how things were but ugly in their day. <laughs> and that therefore we should spend a lot more money or prevent stuff from happening or require it, that it retain but ugly to show us how but <laughs> ugly things were. Why is it important to do that? Well, I mean, I would say the countervailing thing is that one person's but ugly is someone else's beauty in a different era. In the 1950s and 60s, um, Good point. all of we the, tore down gorgeous, all the gorgeous Victorian buildings in New Haven were just absolutely destroyed across the city because they were seen as hideous and now if you see a picture of buildings that were lost um you'll say what in the world were they thinking so i think that some some of way is a way to keep kind of contemporary perspective out of the picture and say well look in 50 years this building may be gorgeous i mean i think modernism as well as having its heyday where um you know but what we did in the 50s and 60s we tore down beautiful buildings and built ugly inhuman structures some of which we even knocked down soon but now right. the preservation would say, well, gee, now we got to preserve those ugly structures <laughs> because that is historical moment. In 20 years, we might think that that one, 
that one uh, well, State I, I, Street building is really nice, although then you can argue Knights of Columbus did a good job making that into a better building than it was. That's true. And, well, and I think that, that, that um, it's, it's hard. Some buildings, I think, um, age better than others. And there are some buildings. Um, I mean, there's, I would say, a complex which was lauded in its day and probably has never, um, probably should be demolished is, is Church Street South. I mean, that was that won national awards. Um, but you can see that Jonathan that, Hopkins, who writes a lot in the independent and yes. he's, a, he thinks that should be saved. He, he thinks he, you can improve it. He does. It down. He does. It's and got he's, bones. He's a, you know, he, and he's a very, very, uh, smart guy and very well thought Why out. Why would you tear it down? Um, because I don't think that, I, well, a, I think the buildings are, are, are in just terrible shape. They are um, bad. The other thing as well is that, um, I just think that the whole point of, of, of how the buildings are, which, which, which are, you know, it's kind of this like I mean, they are large units, which is nice, but I feel that they're they're kind of impersonal. Um, I don't feel that they've aged. I don't feel that the type of of living that that has is what that area it turns needs. inward. It so turns it turns inward. It's sort of a wall. It's ugly, dehumanizing. So, as far as preservationists would say, keep it because we might change our mind in twenty years. Some would, but I don't think anyone from the New Haven Preservation Trust has raised their hand to keep it. Um, huh. So I think that. that what about one. the Webster Bank building? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little conflicted on that one. Um, I think it's bank buildings are really hard. Um, once they're a bank, they're really hard to turn into anything other than something that is like, you know, a, a, a blank in a bank. So, you know, a grocery store in a bank or a restaurant in a bank. Well, the um, argument is this wasn't originally a bank. It was a church. It was a church. But, um, I mean, once you've kind of, you know, gone past the point that the building is is, is a church it's, it's not a church anymore i mean it's a very interesting art deco churchy bank building um wasn't that true about these buildings you and i would agree shouldn't have been i'm now i'm going the other way around i <laughs> got to keep track here what about those buildings you talk about we tore down in the 50s and 60s they were no longer their original uses some of them as theaters or right as you know apartments became offices or restaurants so that again the use can change but there's still value in the original yes right? oh definitely i i agree um I mean, I think that I, I would, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that um, that building would have a very hard time to be reused. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's the hard part. Optimally, you want to find a, a, a reuse first, uh, above all else. If you can find something to, to reuse it, that would be great. Um, I think this building, um, especially where it is sited downtown and, and one of the few areas you probably could put a pretty good tower on. Um, it, it's probably going to get, um, demolished. Um, it, it would surprise me if it was stopped, but, um, so I, I'm, I, I would be sad to see it go. Um, the economic reality on this one, sometimes you can, you can kind of jibe economics and historic preservation pretty nicely. I mean, you can see down, um, the Winchester factory, for example, was, was beautifully restored. And I think that um, that makes it a, a, a better project. Um, I think historic preservation, in, in most cases, and adaptive reuse can make for more interesting and better projects. Um, it's hard when the, when the building has a difficult use. Um, I mean, and, and then what's, what are your alternatives? I mean, sometimes you can do what's called like a facade ectomy, which is you destroy the building behind it and you keep the, the front of the building. Um, I mean, I think in this case, it, it's, you're, you're not really gaining much. Um, and I, I really don't know what, how else you could incorporate the building. 
Um, again, I'm not an architect, um, and I'm not a professional historic preservationist. So there may be people who who, who have thought this out and and have presented plans. But you are um, a leading voice and yes. <laughs> monitor of economic development historic preservation in New Haven, and you're appearing right now on Dateline New Haven WNHH, your home for Community Radio 103.5 FM. Our guest is Pedro Soto, the president of New Haven Development Commission, former chair or president of the Historical Society. Uh, president. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Preservation Trust or board chair. Yeah, or chair and uh, president of the board and <laughs> still at spacecraft engineering which is now spacecraft manufacturing what's that called now uh drt power systems it's not called spacecraft anymore dash spacecraft <laughs> okay and is the spacecraft still hyphenated uh no it's, it's not still. so you got rid of the hyphen yeah too many hyphens they told me so i would argue <laughs> that uh as someone who cares about language that you should have been a preservationist here yeah and you should have said we shouldn't get rid of that hyphen because it has something distinctive and it speaks a history rather yes. than a generic. That's true. I I I, I love another the last. Of the, you're coming in here for abuse when I invited you in to talk about. <laughs> and all I'm doing is saying you're not going to enough board meetings. You're not preserving your hyphens. Exactly. I'm just teasing you. I, I I think one of the you know Doug Ray writes about civic density. People who spend time not just at their job. Mm -hmm. but outside their job, doing stuff with other people outside their house, and that that's what makes a neighbor mm -hmm. a community strong, whether it's sitting on boards of commission, which I salute you for doing because I can't sit through those long meetings, <laughs> what, to make institutions work, whether it's to be in unions and theater troops in bowling leagues, that that's just having all that kind of different activity is what makes a community strong. Do you see it that way? I mean, why do you spend so much time on boards and commissions? I think so. I mean, I, I think that um, if, if you have something or an interest um, – and, and and there's an organization I think which aligns with that. I I think it it's really useful to to help guide it and to be on on um, the boards and commissions. Um, I, I think that you know one of the things I've learned about when I became manager at at, um, at spacecraft and I was running the company is that um, you you do need to lead from the front if you can. If you're in a position where where you can guide something. Um, you know, there there is a way to sort of you can get consensus and, and and let kind of people go. But if you have something to say and you you feel that it's important, I think you can put yourself out there and and help, kind of you know say this is where we're going, um, and this is how, where I think we should we should get there and how we're going to get there. Um, and I think that being on a board and commission is is a helpful way to do that. So I'm now a account executive. So I'm I'm in I'm in sales. So you have to worry about less at night. Well, that, that would be debatable, but really, um, <laughs> but well, it's not your company anymore. It's not my company anymore. You don't hire and fire That's everybody. True. You don't. Yes. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? That's true. The worst thing that happened is that I get, I get fired. Do you so. live in Worcester Square still? Uh, no, I live in Westville. Westville where? Yes. Uh, McKinley Avenue. We're block, we're neighbors. We live yeah. a block away. <laughs> and, uh, and you used to live in Worcester Square. Yes. And you have a family, right? Yes. Young children. I have a son. A son. Uh, yep. Yep, and, and my wife, and uh, we're he's uh, seven years old now. And why did you decide to to stay in town and go to Westville rather than move out to the suburbs? Um, it's a great city, um, walk walkable, um, and 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 being close to your neighbors and and, and being close to, to where things are happening, and you know it's definitely definitely has its challenges. I mean, I think there there are times where, you know, you wake up and you're just like, hmm, <laughs> what's happening over in uh, Woodbridge? Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that it's definitely, the, the pluses definitely outweigh the minuses. And you grew up here, right? I grew up in Orange, so I grew Orange. up in the suburbs, yes. Okay, and you decided to come to the city. Yes. So you bring that perspective as mm -hmm. well as chair of the Development Commission. What did you think about that whole fight about the Hotel Duncan? So that was a, a storied kind of mm -hmm. hotel with a lot of character, but run down. 
that you'd have half of the people roughly were people without a lot of money who rented rooms and sometimes shared bathrooms, the single room occupancy, SRO. And others are just commercial hotel people who like the ambiance, including mm-hmm. Yale professors. They'll stay there when they're visiting, you know, if they don't live in New Haven. That uh, a company bought it to make it a boutique hotel, meeting upscale hotel. They kicked people out but found new places for them to live. They were able to do it as of right, so they couldn't be stopped, mm-hmm. although people on the board of Alders did try to stop them. They're affiliated with the Unite Here Union that said they asked the developer, please make this a union hotel with the few jobs you're going to have, and he said no. So as a result, when he's, after he said no, the people on the board of Alders, an elected office who work for that union, put forward a bill to try to have a moratorium to stop him from converting it, but he already had his permits to convert it so they couldn't stop him. Do you think that was the right approach? for the city to take? Um, no. I mean, I, I think that it's... I don't think it's a given, because why wouldn't we want union jobs? If we want jobs... A, if we want jobs created, why wouldn't we want them to pay enough that people can afford to live here as well? Right. Well, I think that when, when, you're, when you're stopping as-of-right developments, um, and I think that what I don't like is, um, again, lead from the front. Make that the, um, the issue. Um, you could get some traction about that, um, publicly versus um, what I felt was sort of a, a way to sidetrack it using um, using policy. Um, and I really find that disingenuous, that, that, that I'm not a big fan of. And I think that the other thing is the developer did find within, I think, a mile or two alternate accommodations for every single person who was living there long term. They didn't have to do that either. Um, and again, I don't hold developers in any high esteem. I mean, they they're, did it they're, so they'd have no problem with they, the government. Th- that's exactly yeah. it. They did it so they'd have no problem with the government. And 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 um, you know, I think that um, you know these downtown development projects, um, especially the hotels, um, with this push on the unionization. I mean, I'm I'm kind of agnostic on either side. I mean, I think that unions can be a good thing. Um, I think that that you know when when you have sort of yeah, the bit of a conflict of interest of elected representatives who are re- not representing their constituents, they're representing the union. That's that's a little bit of a different uh, argument there. And so, again, if if they want to talk about hotels in New Haven should be unionized, then then make that argument, but don't hold up a development project. For example, what if he had said, "I'm the most uniony guy in the world, and everyone's going to be in a union in this hotel"? Then would it have passed? Then what does that say to the merits of, of this um, uh, amending the SRO uh, mm-hmm. or trying to change it and stop the project? So you know it, it it's definitely you're um, saying we should be upfront what we're talking about. Just be upfront. I don't use government for hidden agendas. There you go. All right. So Pedro Soto, we've talked a lot about all the development happening in New Haven. You said there's 17 projects you got updated on just alone mm-hmm. the other day, which we never would have dreamed out. Maybe even when you started six years ago on the no. development commission, let alone the 40 years I've watched New Haven develop. You know this is a new thing. But we have our failures too, mm-hmm. or stuff that doesn't happen. And you've watched some of that too from your purchase chairman, uh, president of the development commission. I want to ask you about two of those. So everyone was excited in town. People usually fight about how to do development. All agreed that it was great that this company, Live, Work, Learn, Play, mm-hmm. was going to buy the site of the former New Haven Coliseum, the two big, big blocks uh, bordered by State Street, MLK mm-hmm. Boulevard, uh, Church Street, and George. They, haven't, they are years, years, years behind schedule. Final approvals aren't even in. The thing looks like it's never going to happen, but they have us over ballot because allegedly they, they have 13 or 15 years to come up with it. What went wrong? I mean, um, you can't get more prime development space yeah. than that. Well, I think that that was the tail end of the, um, the era where that likely was 
you know, I think at the time the administration was the the, the Stefano administration, their final big project, their final big project, and also I think that they thought that um, it that was possibly it, right? I mean, what else would be after that, or it would be it would possibly try to spur development. Um, I think that um, the time scale was probably too long. I think the performance was probably too long, but. Um, I think that it's, you know, when, when you didn't have a lot of uh, development going on in the city at the time, and this was such a huge project, I think that um, probably at the time everyone said, well, you know, this is good. And, what did and, you say? Um, I thought it was good. Um, I, I didn't realize it would take, obviously, this long. Um, I didn't know. I wasn't party to the particulars of the agreement and with the performance um, level um, of how long they were, uh, you know, the, the agreement was supposed to take. Um, and I do think that it does look like across the city there there are a lot of these sort of development options that the city would in, go in where they kind of negotiated themselves into into these corners where the developer could have basically sit and do nothing. I've heard a different critique of what happened, and this is from someone else who wanted to build there, so they have mm -hmm. their own bias and agenda. They said the only reason these guys got it is because in New Haven you have very good ideals of what you'd like to have, mixed use everywhere, a lot of affordable housing everywhere, open space in the downtown urban environment. And that be, that the way this guy got the project was to tell everybody what they wanted to hear, even though he didn't have a track record really building a lot of this kind of stuff or the marketability, rather than present a plan that could get financed by a bank and up and going. And that, in fact, this plan never could have made it in this person's view because this has been the, until maybe now with the changes we're going to see now, right. like if interest rates go up or if, um, although we have to wait for mm -hmm. the end of the trade war, see if that's going to happen, imports <laughs> on steel and all that. Yeah. They have failed to make this go at the time when it was the best possible condition. So this person's critique might have some basis, which is that if even in the best conditions you can't make this happen, that means trying to tell New Haven what it wants to hear and its idealism isn't the way to build development projects. So you have to have more market reality and build projects that you can get financing for. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, I, I, I do know that live, work, learn, play is very, um, you know, I, I think that's, they, they do go with the new urbanist village, you know, new urbanist ideals. Which we all love. Like yeah. And I think But he that couldn't get it financed. He couldn't get it financed. And I think that, um, you know, I'll, the, the interesting thing is apparently they are working on like a billion dollar project in Toronto with Google. Wow. Um, so they, they, they do manage to convince a lot of very well-heeled people, uh, to do these projects and they have i mean i think they have a, a, a bigger track record maybe not this type of specific project but they have done a lot of building but i think at this point you know their eye may have maybe may start to move um mm -hmm. i mean in any case i think this and current, hold us hostage to the condition right well and i think that this the current administration is is aware of it and i think that when the opportunity comes i think to 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 help get this project either finally moving or, or not that, that, that they're that they're that they're on it I, I think they're not just sitting on it quick final takes bike share people say we shouldn't have mcdonald's posters there you wrote i love when you come back in the comments section you <laughs> even use your name we say we finally get bike share rather than celebrate this meaningful transit change people complain about ads that are subsidizing those mcdonald dollars are paying for the damn bike <laughs> that's about right and then um, what do you think about Elm City Market? You were part of the board of that. When it was a co-op, I would argue it wasn't the most co-op of co-ops. It was but, not. But but now it's a private... Is it better now under private ownership? Um, it, it's there. I wish them luck. Um, I mean, they, they, they did kind of uh, kind of steal the market out from, from under people. They got a, a, a hell of a deal, I'll tell you that. 
Um, but you know, it's it's a business going on downtown, and it's serving food to people living downtown. Um, I've only been there a few times, yeah. uh, just because uh, you know I'm, I don't have, like I said, I was basically ejected uh, from from everything. It was, mm-hmm. but that being said, um, you know, small local business is is there and selling food. That's awesome. Pedro Soto, I have to say that you're one of the most <laughs> informed and also reasonable people I know in the public <laughs> debate in New Haven. You listen to everyone whether or not they agree with you, you take it in, you acknowledge what strong points they have. And I think, you know, when I hear you talk, I don't hear a single hidden agenda. <laughs> I just, I really Thanks. value that you spend so much of your time in your busy life to, uh, to volunteer, to help make decisions and review the plans of how our city developments, whether it's preserving our history, building it up anew, or uh, promoting business. So Thanks for including making time to come on Dateline New Haven today. Oh, my pleasure, Paul. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us on Dateline New Haven. Thanks to today's guest, Pedro Soto. Special Mm -hmm. thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. Not McDonald's. (laughs) But if you go to McDonald's enough, you might end up at Yale New Haven Hospital. (laughs) We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.